Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. We are here to give God praise this morning. We're going to worship. We ask that everyone that can would stand to their feet and let's worship the Lord. Breaks the power 
Good morning, everyone. Have a seat. That was amazing, you guys. Thank you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day and this morning's passionate and spirit-filled music. Thank you for our awesome music team and everyone that you have gifted with the ability to praise you through leadership in worship. Thank you for giving Craig and this team the desire to use their skills in the exalting of your glorious name. 
and thank you for these fellow believers who you have brought together to praise you and be one unified body in your name, Jesus Christ. Lord, you've filled the world with beauty. Open our eyes to behold your gracious hand in all your works, that rejoicing in your whole creation, we may learn to serve you with gladness and kindness and willingness for the sake of him through whom all things were made, your son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, you've made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus Christ, your son. As we move closer to Thanksgiving, look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and the hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth that in your good time, all nations and races may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. We pray for the people in Ukraine that they might find reassurance in your overwhelming love that as the days and nights get colder and the basic securities of electricity and food and municipal resources seem, seem so unpredictable and can so easily cause doubt in their hearts that our brothers and sisters in you remember that you are right there walking alongside them and holding them when they need it most. Oh, Heavenly Father, in John chapter 13, you command us to lo love one another as you have loved us. As we prepare for our Thanksgiving routines, I ask that you remind us of this and that, and that we look out for those in need. You came to give honor to the least, those forgotten, overlooked, and misjudged. You came to give first place to the last, those left behind, misunderstood and undervalued. You came to give warm welcome to the lost, those who were orphaned, abandoned, and destitute. Help us to be your ears, to listen to their cries. Help us to be your voice, speaking out love and patience. And help us to be your hands, to clothe, feed, and give shelter to those in need. Almighty God, you are, you are the author of life, and we are in awe of your creation. You are the savior of this world, and we are amazed at your grace. We are privileged to be filled by your presence. And Lord, we pray all of this in your holy and most absolute name, amen. These military families that are mainly over at the Marine Corps Air Station, uh, Miramar, are young families. They're away from their own families, and you know, having a baby can be a little bit of a daunting experience. So we provide baskets for these families. The baby baskets are comprised of a lot of different little baby items. We have baby gowns, little onesies, little booties. We have the normal things like baby wipes or baby powder, baby lotion. And we try and give these baby baskets out every month. So it's wonderful to be able to stand in that gap for a moment to be able to donate that sort of thing to them. And they're so appreciative. 
idea that others would care and have compassion, that's what Jesus wants us to be, is compassionate. We respect our service members so much because of what they do for our country, the sacrifices that they make, that we want to be able to give back. They are our neighbors, and we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to be able to bless them and to encourage them and let them know that there are people who do love them and care for them. Good morning once again. Welcome to church. We're so glad to see you here and worship with us at LJCC. Uh, just a quick reminder, on your way inside, you should have received a bulletin on which you'll, have, you'll find both a connect card, says get connected with us. On the back here, it's a, it, you have a prayer card as well, says let us pray for you. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, um, please take a moment, fill out the, uh, the Connect card. Let us know you're here. Um, also, if you'd like to uh, get involved in any way, um, please fill that out. We'd love to connect with you. Also, please take a moment and fill out the prayer request card. Let us know how we can pray for you during the week. You can drop these cards off after the service. Uh, there's a box by the entrance on the wall, along with any tithes or off offering envelopes. Just drop them on in there. And now I'd love to have Pastor Steve lead us in a message. Thanks, Jenna. Well, we've been talking about simplicity uh, these last uh, four weeks, and uh, today we're talking about the power of simplicity as it relates to gratitude. Uh, is there anything more simple uh, more positive, more powerful than gratitude. I mean, even our, our, our brains uh, help us express gratitude. I mean, we have, there's a whole brain science, the brain chemistry, what, what gratitude does in us and what it does in people who receive our gratitude. I mean, the people who are going to receive these, uh, these infant baskets, uh, they're thinking they have a need they didn't know they had until somebody showed up and said, here, this is for you. Uh, and so they're going to elicit, you know, that will elicit from them all kinds of gratitude. But really, we're doing it out of a sense of gratitude. We're saying we appreciate what you're doing. Uh, the military is designed for single people. And so now a single person gets married and they have kids, and it's a big single challenge, right? You know, to think, how do I put it together? And so these gestures of love uh, have a big, major impact. Just think for a second. Uh, if you can, do a quick inventory. When was the last time you felt incredible gratitude? Maybe you can say, well, 40 years ago, there was a one moment, and, and all the way till present, you know, you can think of those, those instances. I think of one time I was in college, and me and a buddy were riding horses up in Half Moon Bay on the beach. Uh, I lived in San Jose, so really by the time you left my house and got to, the, to the, that part of California, um, because of traffic in the Bay Area, it was a couple hours, and I get back and I realize I couldn't find my wallet. Now, I had nothing in my wallet of worth and value at that point in my life except my driver's license, and that was a big, giant hassle. Uh, and I'm just so bummed out about it. And a couple days later, I come home. On my porch is my wallet. It's just sitting there on my porch. And I'm thinking, somebody apparently, I notes that I found this on the beach in Half Moon Bay, uh, you know, take care kind of a thing. No, no way for me to thank them. But somebody obviously said, okay, here's, they found all that emptiness and thought, okay, this guy has no money. 
at least I could just give him back his driver's license. Anyway, it was, it was, I maybe, maybe I had three bucks, which I was so grateful to get back. I mean, something like that. But it was a small gesture of gratitude. I remember it to this day. That was, that was several years ago that this happened, you know? And so um, uh, think about some of those instances for you of, of gratitude. Um, powerful when we experience it. Powerful for us when we express it. You think about those teachers, your favorite teachers growing up. I mean, a kid just doesn't think this way. I want to thank you so much, Mrs. Smith, for putting up with me, uh, for teaching me, for being patient with me. We just don't do it. And by the time we think about it, they're long gone. We don't know how to reach them. But think of the, the people who do so much for us, and we never really think to thank them. You know, and so Thanksgiving is a big marker of gratitude. Great. So we're talking about it. But why do we gather to worship like this? You can hear a sermon and better sermons online any day of the week, right? And, and, and better by that, I mean they're shorter, okay? Let's just admit, admit it. <laughs> but we are a full-value shop here. We try to give you enough in case you miss a couple weeks, you'll have everything you need. But now think about it. You can do church in terms of the content online. Uh, we did this. We made a big pivot when COVID hit. Everything we did was digital. Uh, we had phenomenal recording sessions in here that we would push out in the community. You remember those. Uh, but what can't you get? You can't get that live community experience of expressing gratitude to God. One of the primary ways and one of the primary things that worship is about is gratitude. We gather together in the presence of God to express our gratitude to Him. They think, is God that needy that He needs us to do that? No, we are that needy that we need to do that. So theologically, gratitude is, is um, connected to the very heart of God. And resonates in our hearts as well. So theologically, gratitude is a super significant thing. So gratitude isn't just, oh, if I think about it, I'll, I'll say thanks. But rather, it's, it's a deeply uh, embedded in the, in the whole creation, the creation that Jeff prayed for. Thank God for that creation. Uh, so gratitude is a, is a key part of creation. Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. In Jesus Christ, God came into the world to call all people into community with himself. And when people finally connect with that, they're unbelievably grateful, often expressed in tears, tears of relief, tears of joy, uh, sometimes laughter. Uh, you've known people who, when they finally have a breakthrough with God, I was sitting here one time, and I look over, and there's this big dude just in tears. And during the worship, uh, during the music aspect of worship, something just connected with him. Now, he, was a, he is, to this day, a steely attorney, corporate guy who you'd never know he had a weakness. You know, he, he projects strength. He's a phenomenal person. But here he was with his then girlfriend, now his wife, mother of several kids, um, and he's been processing the gospel. When it finally breaks through to him in his song, he just loses it. And, and he came up to me afterwards and said, guy, I'm so sorry. And I said, for what? Well, and then I realized, he didn't realize the place, you know, nobody was even noticing that he was in tears about this, but he was thinking, I need to apologize for this. I said, no, that was the most beautiful expression of gratitude. Because yeah, I just could, I don't know what hit me. It was just all of a sudden it dawned on me that God loved me and was calling me into a relationship with him. And I had no felt need for that. And intellectually had all kinds of questions still. So that gratitude is part of our, our very core being. And so that's why little kids um, uh, love receiving gratitude and giving gratitude, right? And so anyway, um, here's, the, here's the downside of living in a fallen world. We can suppress gratitude. 
<laughs> Why would you do that? Well, out of fear, I'll look weak, I'll look dumb. Out of envy, uh, why would I thank them? They make me feel bad because they're them and, and, and I'm not. Uh, jealousy related to that. Out of prejudice, out of hard-heartedness. Uh, but seeing and embracing life as a gift from God. As soon as we start to see and embrace life as a gift from God. And I've actually uh, had friends who would say, look, I don't believe any of the stuff you believe about Jesus, about the world needing to be saved. But I see life as a gift from God. So that's fantastic. Because that's, <laughs> that's how you were created. God gave you that capacity. And as you, as you go deeply with him, you'll understand all the implications of that gratitude you have for life. Because, because what we experience in this is God's glory and goodness and justice and love. And seeing and embrace, embracing life as a gift from God produces gratitude and its twin, generosity. Where there is gratitude, there is generosity. Where there is generosity, there is gratitude. Now we live in a quid pro quo world. I need, if something, somebody gives me something, I, I feel a need to give them something back. So we do transactions. But gratitude and generosity at their core are unconditional. Uh, they're reciprocal inevitably, but they're unconditional at their core. I keep saying core because this is so elemental in terms of who we are as people. It's wonderful we have a, a, a thing called Thanksgiving. Um, but as you've heard a zillion times, you know, life is meant to be an ongoing experience and expression of Thanksgiving for all kinds of important reasons that we're talking about right now. Why? Ultimately, it frees us and protects us from ingratitude. The opposite of gratitude, obviously, is ingratitude. Gratitude and its, and its twin generosity lift us up. They improve everything. The world, your home, your marriage, your parenting, everything in your life is better when it's connected to gratitude and generosity. The opposite of that, ingratitude, produces two evil twins, two plagues, if you, if you, if you will, uh, idolatry and injustice. The core of idolatry and the core of injustice, it might feel weird to think of it this way, is a lack of gratitude. Why would I have gratitude for that person? I don't even give them the, uh, you know, credit for being a fully developed human being. They don't deserve my gratitude. They're beneath, it would be beneath my dignity to be grateful for them. If you, if you dismiss God and say, you know, I don't need a God, I'm my own God, that sets us up for idolatry. We worship anything else. We don't worship nothing, we worship something else. Why? Again, because we're wired uh, for worship. We're wired for gratitude and generosity. And so, so gratitude frees us from ingratitude, which is idolatry and injustice. If you notice, when you're in the presence of people who are worshiping other things, there's no gratitude. Even when they get the things that they're worshiping, there's no gratitude, there's just relief, I got it. Now it's a, there's a new level of panic. How do I hold on to it? What if somebody wants it? It's, it's this downward, anti-virtuous cycle that we, we get in. And it, likewise with injustice. Injustice is, is self-perpetuating because if I start to acknowledge that I should be grateful for something here, I'm going to be held accountable for the injustice I've been practicing. So it's this bizarre way of distancing ourselves from our own heart and the hearts of other people and ultimately the heart of God. And so where you see idolatry and you see injustice, it's a, it's a, it's a toxic mix. That's why marriages often fall apart. There was, there's a lack of gratitude. There's a lack of justice. There's a lack of generosity. Marriage cannot be 50-50. Marriage is 50-50 is a fail. 
50-50 goes like this. I think I'm giving 51. I think I see a little 49 going on here. In fact, in your case, it's more like 39. Actually, it was 29 yesterday, and I want to talk to you about that. I think, no, this is what gratitude looks like in a marriage. It's 100%. If you looked at your toddler and said, you know, you really don't do much around here. They go, what was they supposed to do? I'm four. Them being four, fully alive, should fill that house with, with a sense of generosity and gratitude. Why? Because they're being fully present at four. So it's not about, uh, are we comparable? Well, I go to work and I provide for everything and you're, you know. No, it's mutuality. That's the beauty of generosity and gratitude. It's a mutual thing. Not reciprocal, not a transaction. It's just that as we express it fully, uh, it lifts everybody. And we stop keeping score and we stop keeping track. So if that doesn't describe you right now, you need to pay attention to that. If you can't see your life right now as an experience of gratitude and generosity, this is a hard moment for maybe some of you to think about, okay, if I'm really honest with myself, am I in a place of gratitude and generosity right now? Let that be a warning to you. I'm not judging you. I'm just making an observation. It could be benign. It could be that you're just so tired, you, you, you just need to be replenished. You go to the doctor, and they say, that's, that's benign. Don't worry about that. Okay, good. You go to the doctor, and they say, no, we need to get rid of that. That's cancerous. It's life-threatening. If you see that you are in a place of grati- lacking gratitude and generosity, that is a symptom of immaturity and a symptom of malaise. Malaise is just a fancy way of saying you have something not well in you that needs to be attended to immediately. It's a soul-destroying, heart-hardening, mind-numbing experience that you are in that will only get worse. Immaturity might be offensive to you. Well, I'm fully mature. Right. You can tell how mature you are by the level of gratitude and generosity in your life. Well, I don't have much. I tell you what, uh, I was talking to a friend uh, recently, and years ago we'd been in Africa together, and we were just marveling at the generosity of the people, literally dirt poor, and and wanting to bless us with things, you know, a cup of tea. Uh, I I remember one time somebody gave me a chicken, which I thought, first of all, just getting this back to customs is going to be really tricky. But then I'm thinking this, a single mom with a small kid is giving me a chicken, now, it's a gift, so I received the gift, and I expressed gratitude, and, and then later I said, how do I get this chicken back to this lady? And, and the, the chief in that village said, I'll get a different chicken. So her chicken will not be, re- we'll get a chicken to her, right? So <laughs> the idea is that malaise and immaturity are symptoms of a lack of gratitude and a lack of generosity. Why is it that you have met people who have everything and yet they have nothing because they lack gratitude and generosity? It's trite. It's a cliche. But you can have poor people who lack gratitude and generosity, and you can have wealthy people. It's the same immaturity and same malaise, right, for everybody to see. When you see the fact that people in any life circumstance are practicing gratitude and generosity, they are fully alive. And they bring that life with them wherever they go. And so God's will for us is to deeply understand that we are loved by him and that we are blessed to be a blessing wherever we are with whatever we have. 
that is within everybody's capacity. Nobody in this room lacks the capacity to express generosity or gratitude. And it's not taking an inventory of what you have. It's taking an inventory about who you are. Because once you figure out who you are, then you'll figure out what you have and what you can do with it. Time, talent, treasure, networks, etc. And so as we grow in Christ, generosity and gratitude fill our hearts and they flow out of our lives. When Jesus talked about rivers of living water, what was he talking about? More information to share with people? Possibly. More advice, better advice to give people? Possibly. But think about it. He's living in an arid place, a semi-arid environment. Water is a source of everything. You can be refreshed by it personally. You can bathe and, and, and become clean. You can you know, water plants. It's, it's sustenance. Uh, uh, you know, the primary, absolutely essential sustenance. So these rivers of living water that come out of us are simply the result of us connecting with the heart of God and, and having our heart filled with it, and it flows from us. And so we're wired for this by God. Each generation is responsible for teaching this to the next generation. It's not just, hey, say please, say thank you. That's a good thing. But it's demonstrating that. As we demonstrate gratitude, as we demonstrate generosity, and again, not by giving kids more stuff. Giving kids more stuff does not engender generosity and gratitude in them. If anything, it could engender overwhelmed confusion of what stuff means. Too much stuff can make them uh, indifferent to stuff in a way that they fail to see the generosity and gratitude. Well, I had nothing, so I want you to have everything. A really bad life philosophy. Or because I had nothing, you will get nothing, is another bad philosophy. But the idea of saying, how do I teach kids generosity and gratitude? I love it the way uh, Psalm 100 says it. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It's a call to worshiping God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. That is, come into his presence with, with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. And that Lord is capitalized, L-O-R-D. That's the most holy name of God, Jehovah. The holy name is never said as, as Jehovah. It's said as Adonai, or some other name for God. is substituted there. But he's talking about the most primary way God describes himself. It's how we were to come into his presence with this thanksgiving and praise. And his love endures forever. And then here's the assignment that comes out of this. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So he is consistently faithful through all generations. And then the question is, will we be consistently faithful in the, in the most appropriate way to help other generations understand what gratitude and generosity look like? It's not denying people stuff, and it's not inundating them with stuff. It's teaching them to have a heart for God and to understand the power and the simple power uh, and the prosperity that comes out of gratitude and generosity. It's the best way to live, but it takes some coaching to get there. Uh, I love the way Churchill said this about Americans. You can always count on Americans to do the right thing after they've tried everything else. <laughs> so we all need coaching. You know, you might say, gosh, I tried gratitude and people thought I was being disingenuous or they wanted, uh, that I wanted something from them. That's, yeah, you're going to run into that. Or I tried being generous and people took advantage of me or didn't seem to make the impact I hoped it would have. Right. Maybe you need to right-size your expectations. If you're looking for confirmation and validation through your generosity, you're using people. You owe me something. You owe me praise. You owe me something. But rather, generosity says, I saw a need and I, I responded, and I thought the most appropriate way. 
Uh, there's a wonderful book that came out years ago uh, written by two uh, academics who are also uh, missional people working in nations, underdeveloped nations. And the book is called When Helping Hurts. And it's a fantastic critique, but it's not just a critique. It's also a fantastic guide for how NGOs, you know, non-government organizations especially, and, and government organizations, can navigate through places of deep poverty and, and that require significant development. When helping hurts, dumping money in a village does not help them. Anytime any of you have been with me, if we're in a place of deep poverty, we don't walk in like big shots and start giving people stuff. We sit with the leaders and we say, hey, what is it y'all need? How can we help you get what you need? And if we do provide something, we provide it through the structures already in place. So those leaders are bringing to their people what those people need versus we're not going to talk to our leaders. They have nothing to offer. We're going right to those guys, the walking, talking ATMs from the USA. So when helping hurts, right? So we do this with our kids, we do it with our neighbors, we do it with anybody. The fact is, if you start to practice generosity and gratitude, you'll get some confusion and some odd responses. It doesn't matter. We're not doing it for the responses. Because in the end, what happens is a community is formed in us, us and Father, Son, Holy Spirit, around us, brothers and sisters in Christ, and then through us, a community of transformation locally and globally. I want to give you an example of this from Acts 20, uh, chapter 20, verses 20 to 36. Uh, this is Paul, the apostle, former rabbi, hostile to the gospel of Jesus, now an ambassador for the gospel of Jesus. And he's at a critical point in his ministry, in his life. And he is uh, on his way to Jerusalem for sort of a showdown with some of the leaders in Jerusalem. What he doesn't know is that he will be arrested, beaten, brought to the governor, the Roman governor of Jerusalem, uh, who is actually Caesarea, a town on the coast. Uh, but he's, he's the governor of over, over Jerusalem. He says, I'm not going to let those people kill you, but I am going to, you've claimed your citizenship as a Roman. You're a Jew, but who knew? You're a Roman citizen. Uh, we beat you, bad on us. We'll be held accountable by Caesar for beating a citizen unjustly. And you've claimed that you're a citizen, and you've said you have a right to go present your case to Caesar. There you will go. He doesn't know this is all going to happen. He's going to end up in Rome and write some letters uh, out of that imprisonment. But what he does know is he's not going to see the people he's, in, he's been investing himself in, practicing gratitude and generosity for three years. And he doesn't have time to go to their town because it's a little bit inland, but he calls them, calls them, he communicates with them and says, can you meet me on the coast in the port? We'll have enough time to be together and get some fellowship, and, and I won't be burning up the time traveling back and forth. We'll get all that time together. And so they did. All these leaders from Ephesus, second most significant city in the Roman Empire at that point, to Rome itself. Fabulously wealthy. Uh, there was a saying, literally, <laughs> this is a saying in Ephesus, and you, these are inscriptions, what happens in Ephesus stays in Ephesus. Can you believe this? Yeah. Anyway, so this is, this is powerful. And this is what happens. He gathers with these leaders and he says to them, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. He's saying, I've been practicing gratitude and generosity with you. But I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. I had one agenda. 
to reveal Christ to you, to proclaim Christ, to teach Christ, to demonstrate Christ. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Why would you go anywhere? I would say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for the heads up. I will not be leaving anytime soon. I'm really happy to be here. But no, that's not how it works. A person who's living out of gratitude and generosity has a heart for God and, and <laughs> is constantly responding to the leading of God's Holy Spirit, whether it's in place or uh, in process elsewhere. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Now, he lives his life as a gift. What he's making the point, though, is that it's bigger than me. My life belongs to God. My life belongs to you. I'm responsible for it. I'm, I'm not living through you. So all those healthy things that we talk about, boundaries, etc., he has all that. He's demonstrated that in all these letters. You see, he's living as a healthy, holy person. He's got clear boundaries. But in the context of that, he sees he's giving himself away. He says, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, this is really a job description for all of us. It doesn't matter what you do to earn your living, what you do throughout the day and the week uh, as your job. Your job, your first job, job one, as they used to say in the, the TV, uh, the, the automotive commercials, Job one for all of us is, is testifying to the good news of God's grace, and sometimes using words, right? He says, now, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today, <laughs> this, is, this is kind of wild, that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. I'm not responsible for you. You're not the validation of my ministry. I'm just saying my ministry has been to give you what God has given to me. And so it's up to you to do something with it, right? I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. No strings attached, it's yours. If you don't do anything with it, that's on you, not on me. But he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. It's a community of leaders and God is adding to this community, and they're reaching more and more people at great expense to themselves, pushback, persecution, social approbation, all kinds of stuff that's not working for them because they're now advocating uh, the lordship of Christ over the lordship of Caesar. So he says, keep at that. You have a responsibility, you're overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Oh, there's a statement of gratitude and generosity. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Inevitably, people are attracted to what they see in a church so they can co-opt it. Not to make us paranoid, just to be prepared. False teachers arise. Hey, that's good. That Jesus stuff is really great. What if we added this? That Jesus stuff, really, really good, but you know, a little bit too much of it. Let's just remove some of that. I, at one point as a pastor, I had some people complaining Look, I, we really like you and what you're doing, but just too much Jesus, too much Bible. I'm thinking, is this like an award ceremony? I mean, this is, yes, it, there cannot be too much Jesus, too much Bible. What they were saying is, it's too much to ask me to be accountable to God. 
it's too much to ask me to take his word more seriously than my own. I'm saying, uh, bad on you, I'm actually just doing my job. And actually, in some of these situations, I would say, is your issue with me, or is it with the claims of God on you? Well, it's about this whole Jesus thing and the Bible thing. So I'm off the hook. Am I, am I annoying you? Am I offending you? Well, no, no, no. It's just that you bring that message, which is offensive to me. So, okay, then. Then I will just keep doing that. If there's something I can repent of, I will. I can't repent of that. So he's warning them. People are going to come and, and, and be doing that. He says, even from your own number, uh, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. And of course, we see in his other letters, and then historically, this in fact happens. So he says, so be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I've never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. That is, I love you so much. Uh, when I think about looking back, you know, when our kids were little growing up, uh, it would, every once in a while, I would, I would be on my own thinking about my family. And I think if something happened to them, I would just get all teary thinking about something happened to Janet or Lauren or Megan. I think about that with our grandkids. I think about that with our sons-in-law. You know, and It's not a, a fearful thing. It's just that, wow, the love you have for somebody makes you think, oh, I don't want anything to happen to them. Don't you feel that way about your kids? And you have to let them go. But still you go, oh, gosh. Uh, do you need a sweater? You know, I mean, <laughs> that kind of thing. So be on your guard. I, I've been doing this and, and, and with tears. Now, he says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Again, a generosity, gratitude message here. I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. Uh, now remember, Ephesus is a wealthy place. These people were stylish. They were looking good. So you can say, I, I would love to dress like you. I'd love to have what you have but I'm not going to covet those things. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. Now, let me just pause here. This is a bombshell. Wait, wait. Remembering the words that the Lord Jesus himself said and he tells us words that are not in the Gospels. If you've ever seen uh, some Bibles, they have all of Jesus' words in red. And they're, it's called like a red letter Bible. These are red letter words that aren't in the Gospel. This is in the book of Acts. Paul is telling us something that Jesus said that is not in the Gospels. It's in the Word of God. It's part of the Word of God. But this is a bombshell. He's saying, by the way, let me tell you this. And that's how we have it. Because he's telling them something that Jesus said that we would not have known otherwise but for him being faithful in this situation, this setting. And he says, as Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. Now this is a part that just, man, this captures it. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. This is a powerful uh, example of Christ-centered community filled with, defined by, described in gratitude and generosity. The fact that they would travel from Ephesus down to the coast. The fact that they have spent these three years together. The fact that they are letting go of somebody they know is going to suffer, they just can't bear that. The fact that he's got to leave knowing that I won't be here to protect you. 
any of these people who would come to um, head fake them, Paul could talk circles around them. He's not sure, so sure these leaders are ready to do that. He's going, oh, I don't want to leave, but I know I'm supposed to go. Uh, again, psalm, uh, another psalm comes to mind, 86. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart I will glorify your name forever. This is what gratitude and generosity does for us. Again, this is not the prosperity gospel. If I do good things for God, he owes me big time. I give because I'm being faithful to God. I serve because I'm being faithful to God. The reward is in giving and serving. (laughs) It's not in the return. If you practice gratitude and generosity, you will be prosperous, but not in ways that you can quantify necessarily. So, Paul shows us that we are image bearers. We bear the image of God in us, restored in us through Christ. We are not owners, we're not intruders. Now, what's the difference? The owner says, keep your hands off my stuff. We're not owners of anything. It's not our stuff. We're stewards of God's stuff. Well, I, I bought it, I earned it, I paid for it, I take care of it. God bless you, you're doing a good job serving God. It's not your stuff. You're not the owner. You're responsible, but you're not the owner. Nor are we intruders. Intruders say, I can't wait to get my hands on your stuff. Hey, you got nice stuff. We're not intruders. Paul was saying, I'm not the owner and I'm not an intruder. I didn't want your stuff. I want you to just be good stewards of your stuff. How are you using it to honor God and bless people? But we are image bearers, Paul is saying. And what does an image bearer sound like? I choose to use everything I have to honor God and bless people. Starting with my kids, my spouse, my family, my neighbors, um, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the community I live in. Wow, powerful. It's a ripple effect you're seeing. If you get it right at the core, it just ripples out. If you don't let it go beyond the core, everything wilts. So we're here to bless our families. We're here to bless the city. We're here to bless the country. We withhold nothing because we're not owners or intruders. We're image bearers. So being a faithful image bearer is living with hands up and hands out. Not hands out like you owe me or give me. Not hands up like I'm fed up with these people. Hands held up offering praise to God, receiving his blessings and gratitude. Lord, thank you for your blessings. Blessings are another word for responsibilities. How do I respond to you with what you've entrusted to me? And then hands held out, offering his blessings to others, extending his generosity, and wisely. I was one time in in a village in Malawi, and this guy comes up after after this big church service, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. This guy comes up and he goes, hey, you know, I really like what you said today. Through the interpreter, that's why it was good. The interpreter, I could say one thing, and the interpreter would go on for five minutes, and people are laughing and crying, and you know. So this guy comes up to me and he said, hey, you know, look what you said, could I have a Bible? I'm thinking, yeah, of course you can have a Bible. I'm thinking, how do I get him a Bible in Chichewa? It's the language. So I, I, I turned to Amos and I said, hey, Amos, Amos worked with all the chiefs in, in, in an area about the size of Southern California. <clears throat> I said, this, this brother needs a Bible. And he looks at the brother, this young guy dressed really nice, and he goes, nice shoes. The guy goes, oh yeah, the beautiful vest you're wearing. I'm thinking, what is going on? Just give the guy a Bible. 
What, this, what Amos was doing was saying, I give wisely. When helping hurts, it hurts. I'm saying to this brother, you want a Bible? I'll get your Bible. It costs you five bucks. That's what it costs for a Bible. In fact, it really costs ten bucks. I will, I will pay five. You pay five. Powerful, right? I choose to use everything I have to honor God and bless people, and I do it wisely. I extend generosity wisely. I practice gratitude wisely. I withhold nothing. But I give everything and express everything wisely. So may our first and last instincts be wise generosity, wise gratitude. Would you say you're becoming more wise in your generosity? Are you becoming more wise in your gratitude? If you're flippant in your gratitude, people will receive it as a flippant. You don't really care. You're just saying stuff. If your generosity is all about drawing attention to you, keeping score, that's not really generosity. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for all the ways that you bless people. Thankfully, I know you well enough, most of you. Some of you I don't know. I'll give you full credit, though. That you're doing everything you can to honor, glorify God, and bless people. I thank you for that. I am grateful for that. I'm grateful to live in a community. I'm grateful to live in a country that, is, that practices gratitude and generosity. We have a day called Thanksgiving. Does, does Great Britain have Thanksgiving? No, they just have November 24th. But every country, every community has some version of Thanksgiving, right? Uh, do you delight? Are you learning to delight in practicing generosity and expressing gratitude? Again, this is a chance to grow out of immaturity. And we can become mature in one phase of our life and immature in another. So we constantly say, okay, what do I need to learn about? What, how do I need to mature and grow at this stage and phase of my life? What would generosity look like in this phase? Uh, the, the guy that grew up giving a quarter every time there was an offering in church now is a multimillionaire gives a quarter every week faithfully. You go, nice. Does this really express you? A cheeky pastor, um, <laughs> a guy came up and said, hey, okay, I, I, you keep talking about the church needing money. Here's, here's a check. And he hands a check to this pastor. And the pastor says, well, thank you. Does this express your capacity to give? The guy goes, what do you mean? It's a check. I'm giving you a check. Right, I'm just thanking you and asking you, does this represent your capacity to give? The guy takes a check. He writes another check. He says, here you go. And he goes, I'm asking you the same question. Does this, and he goes, okay, I get the theme here. And he writes the third check. And he says, okay, this is it. And the pastor didn't even look at it. He goes, thank you. It's not about pleasing the pastor. It's about are you doing what you have the capacity to do? Because wherever you go, you are a living, breathing example of God's love and grace. Wherever you go, you bring a sense of him if you're thinking about him. You bring hope simply by showing up. Just by showing up, you bring hope. Just by sending a text, you bring hope. Just by expressing an interest, you bring hope and encouragement. That's an act of generosity. It elicits gratitude, but you're acting out of gratitude because of God's compassion given to you and now through you. So thank you for being you in Christ for others. I want to literally, honestly, authentically thank you for that. Keep doing that. 
Uh, here's a Thanksgiving week question. What ways will you show your gratitude this coming week? It's a little tricky one, isn't it? Thanksgiving is kind of an emotional minefield for a lot of families. Uh, we're going to be with 25 family members in a house that fits eight people <laughs> up in Newport Beach. It's, it, um, and half the crew is under is 17 or under. Um, half of that crew is under five. It will be noisy and boisterous. It will be messy, sticky. Uh, there'll be sand on people uh, and mixed with food on people. It will be craziness and it will be a delight. So the question is, what can I be thinking about? What can I do, right? Um, could I bring food? Could I clean up? Could I, what, what you know, so I'm, I'm thinking about, how can I express and demonstrate thanksgiving and gratitude and generosity in the midst of this mix? We're thinking about it. Jan and I are working on that. Let me ask you this. Who could you text or call or write a note to to express gratitude? Super simple. Thinking of you, thankful for you. Boom, that's it. Pick up the phone. Hey, I'm in between You know, making some other calls. I just want to say I'm thinking of you. I'm thankful for you. Yeah, yeah. We need to get together. Great. Whatever. A handwritten note goes a long way. Powerful, powerful, powerful. A guy pulled me aside this week and said, hey, I'm going to be with family this Thanksgiving. I need, some, I need something to say. I said, why are you asking me? You know, it's your family. You know? He said, no, no, what are you going to say to your family? I said, well, it really won't matter what I say to my family because um, I'm just going to say whatever comes to my mind and heart on that day, in the moment. I'm going to say something like, hey, I'm, all, I'm really thankful for all of you. What are you thankful for? You know, and stop hitting your brother. You know, I don't know what I'm going to say. And so I said, you just think about what you're thankful for. Don't make it a, a lecture. Don't make it a big lesson. Just say, from the bottom of my heart, I'm thankful for this. I'm just hoping that you know, I can be uh, properly grateful uh, toward you because you mean so much to me. So what words can you share? Uh, what can you do to help prep for Thanksgiving? What can you do on that day? Um, I want to leave you with this. Uh, this is a daily prayer and an affirmation that I find helpful. Here's, the, the prayer starts with, Lord, help me too. And the affirmation is, Lord, as I do this, with your help. And so the prayer is this. Lord Jesus, help me express generosity and gratitude in my attitude, words, and deeds. Lord Jesus, that's my prayer. Lord Jesus, help me to express gratitude and generosity in my words um, and uh, attitude and deeds. And then my affirmation comes out of that. Lord Jesus, with your help, I will express gratitude and generosity in my uh, words uh, and uh, attitudes and, and deeds. Pretty simple, right? A prayer. Lord, help me to. And the affirmation is, Lord, with your help, I will. Pretty simple. You, you fill in your own words on that. But the gist of it is, help me to practice generosity and gratitude in every way possible. And as I do that, help me to, to get it right. Lord Jesus, I thank you uh, that you've given us so many reasons to be grateful. You have filled our hearts with gratitude as we reflect on your love for us, your grace, your forbearance and patience. The fact that you don't give up on us and you don't just walk away from us, you hang in there with us. So Lord, I pray that you teach us to abide in you, to prosper in you, as we learn to practice uh, what is natural in some ways and what is uh, awkward in others, as we learn uh, to, to be 
ever more deeply grateful, ever more um, comprehensively generous. And Lord, we do this out of an open heart to your goodness and great uh, love, uh, not just out of a need to be needed or appreciated or to impress people, but rather, Lord, no matter how people take it, give us the capacity, a deep desire to, uh, to honor you and to bless them in the process. We pray this in Jesus' high and holy name. Amen. Well, let's continue worshiping the Lord uh, as you offer yourself to him. Um, as you offer yourself to him, wherever you are, whatever is on your heart and your mind right now, make that your offering to him uh, in, this, in this last little bit of worship. And after worship, I'll give, after this song, I'll, I'll give you a blessing invite you to go out and get something to eat. Uh, go around the corner if you want for some prayer uh, for anything that concerns you uh, or somebody that you're concerned for. Um, come back uh, after uh, you get something to eat and at 11 o'clock we're going to do a thing called Alpha. It's our last installment of Alpha. We're going to show this really fascinating uh, video uh, produced by a group of people from London. 20 million people have watched this Alpha series and it's our last installment today. And then we, we just spent a few minutes talking about it. So Let's continue worshiping the Lord. It was my cross he bore So I could live In the freedom you died yours and I will sing of your goodness forevermore worthy is your name Jesus you deserve the praise worthy is your name worthy is your name
as your glory fills this place, you alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our like taking your shoes off because you're in holy ground? I mean, I do. Wow. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for being here to worship the Lord. Ask the Lord to help you practice gratitude and generosity in your thoughts, your attitudes, your words, and your deeds. And as you do that, knowing that the Lord will be helping you to do that. And it's a learning process. You have to start somewhere, but he takes you where you could never go but for him. So wherever you are, start there. And then hold on to your hat, because it's going to be a really wild and fun ride. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord who loves you more than you can ask or even imagine give you everything you need to walk in fullness and newness of life with him, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. It's all